0: Welcome to Engage and Equip, a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. This is a cutting room floor episode where we talk more about the content that had to get cut from the sermon on Sunday morning. My name is Jill Reese, and I'm the content and ministry coordinator for the lead pastor here at High Point Church, and I'm joined by Nick Gibson, who is the lead pastor. Hello. And Luke Zika, our student ministries director. Hi, how's it going? We are going to be talking about Sunday's sermon for March 7th, which is called Sustaining Renewal Through Leadership Integrity. Okay, so Nick, your first point was on how leadership is inherently corrupting. What What are some applications, I want to talk about some applications of that, and I have some specific questions. So Luke, yeah, if you have other questions, please add to that as well. Sure. Um, but you had said that corruption in leadership can be surprising, but we should never be scandalized by it, mm-hmm. um, and, and become cynical or lose our faith from it. Could you I talk? Did. Yes, you did. Um, could you talk more about what that looks like for us individually when it seems like when a leadership, uh, or when there's moral leadership failure now, it's so mm-hmm. public. And then also the response is so public, um, especially in our cancel culture. And so um, what should that look like for us as individuals in responding to a leader that we don't even know who's a very public f- figure? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I think
1: part of it is just recognizing if you understand that leadership is corrupting and that human beings are prone to corruption and you and you believe that no one is, is um, immune to that, you know, inherently, then... You, you're going to expect some portion of leaders to fall, um, especially if you're in a society that's very quickly changing, that doesn't have the kind of stability historical societies have. Like, like there's things that make it more and more and more likely, and especially right. this, I think this is the more true. The more people who are looking to somebody, the more pressure that person's under. The more, the more weight of expectation people put on them. The more, you know, like the the, the more people will be hurt by the person's fall. I think in some ways, the more likely it is that a person is going to fall because um, of the different mm-hmm. corrupting influences of authority and responsibility. You know, like I said, I didn't say, this, for, for those who didn't hear the sermon, I said that authority is corrupting or intoxicating, responsibility is exhausting, exposure to people, all the people in their opinions is intimidating, and complexity of the problems that you deal with is bewildering. And you add all that together in a thankless environment where people are attacking you for no reason and... You, it just mm. it just breaks people down if they don't have the kind of support that they need and if right. they're not prepared to to mm-hmm. live that out. And then so I, I think that that produces the likelihood people will fall. And if you realize that, then you'll be surprised maybe or even hurt, but you won't be scandalized. You won't like lose your faith. You won't become more cynical because it happened. There's lots of sins that come out publicly that don't make us more cynical about things, right? But there are things that do tend to make us like if you hear about a lot of divorces, that can make people cynical about marriage. You like see a lot of a lot of families just kind of come apart. They're like they get cynical about marriage, and that tends to happen with religious and spiritual leadership. As people go, man, this should be better than this. These people should not be failing, and if they're failing, it must be that their religion is false. But what what the problem is, they don't understand what the Christian religion teaches about leadership and its corrupting power and sense corrupting power in it and all that. Sorry, Luke. Luke probably has something to say.
2: Totally. Well, and I was going to say it's getting it should be less surprising that leaders are falling in the digital age where we've made celebrities out of these religious leaders. And then I thought those four points you made are really good about authorities corrupting, responsibilities, exhausting, exposures, intimidating, and complexities, bewildering. That all gets amplified as more people are following you. And um, so, yeah, I think these leaders start to feel like they're sort of above the rules and the things, the pressure just gets higher and higher. So it is less surprising. But yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with people because these pastors sort of falling or these Christian celebrities um, having moral failures is a huge reason people don't trust the church um, Mm -hmm. or don't trust Christianity. And I have the, yeah, I have the same conversation. It's like, look, this is like baked into what we think is that people are sinful and even our leaders are sinful. Um, And so it doesn't mean what we're, saying is not true but it's it's understandable that that has a profound effect effect on people Mm but um yeah it shouldn't be surprised that put the human condition into that environment this this is tends to be what can happen Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah i've noticed um the response to a lot of things in our culture is just very um like judgmental in the sense of i'm judging what is right and wrong um And so I think that's something to watch, too, even though there could be something really wrong that comes out and we need to identify it as wrong. But Mm -hmm. we need to remember that we're not the judges of that person, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and God is the one who um, is the judge and not us from our, like, smartphones. And so that's been something I've been wrestling with as more and more of this happens publicly, um, how to react
2: emotionally. yeah, and part of what you can do is not put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if you're like one preacher you just love and you're obsessed with them, like for me it was like John Piper in college. I was like, John Piper is the greatest, and it's like, oh well, yeah, John Piper, he's a cool guy, like he's great, but mm-hmm. you should probably be finding other voices so that if your mm-hmm. one guy falls, you're you're not like feeling abandoned, you know? So yeah, um, this is why I think diversifying who you follow, what thinkers you, you interact with, um, what kind of preachers you listen to, can be really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. On the first point of um, leadership being inherently corrupting, uh, you encourage us that we are all leaders in some capacity and challenge us to focus our attention on our integrity and zeal in the stewardship of the responsibilities in our own life. Mm -hmm. Um, And This, that was such a really point. That was a poignant point to me because in a lot of the leadership resources I've been reading right now, or there's a lot of podcasts I've been listening to, um, most of the focus is on like building confidence or networking or how to just get more done or be more efficient and uh, market yourself. And so that seems very viscerally the way the world works and how like the game you have to play to be. A leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you balance like, I mean, some people need to do that for their jobs and f- to advance in the leadership that God might even yeah. have for them. And so how do you balance that with and pursue personal or a- ambition and growing your own leadership influence without sacrificing integrity?
1: Yeah, I, I think that, um, uh, yeah, there's a couple ways to skin that cat. The first is to just recognize culturally, as we have lost a moral consensus on individualistic moral character, we've moved to more communitarian understandings of morality, which has led away from the kinds of personal characteristics that lead to personal integrity. And so like having empathy is super important or being collegial and team oriented is really important. But like self control, like isn't necessarily a great Thing or a big thing, right? And so, like, part of the issue is is that there's certain ethical demands that order you within a like group of people, right? And then there's other ethical demands that help you become an, an individual human being. And the ones the ones that help you become a individual human being that allow you to have a kind of integrity of character and formation as a fully orb human are also the ones that build massive competences as a leader. Right. So, for, for example, if you know, if you really know who you are, you won't get, you won't, you won't fall for the temptations to quick fixes as much. You won't get drawn into empathy traps when empathy really isn't helpful. It's actually harmful because people are nervous and they're like, have empathy for me. Don't do things that are hard. But, but what you have to do as a leader is something hard. Like you won't, you can have empathy for people who need it, but you won't get caught in empathy traps or situations where empathy is treasonous. Like there's all these kinds of ways in which by becoming an individual human being, Having separation, what psychologists call differentiation, what Christians call knowing who you are in Christ, right? Or like ways in which those two work together allow you to have this kind of independence. And that independence is necessary to be independent from the temptations and enticements that come to leaders, and also independence from people who you can't go along with, right? And so it, it's, a inter, it's an interdependence mm-hmm. with God and a functional interdependence with other people to a certain extent, but never losing a sense of ordered individuality. And that realm of character growth and integrity growth, that ordered individuality, you absolutely know who you are in every situation, is the critical thing for long-term leadership integrity, but also in many cases, long-term leadership success. Mm-hmm. And there's no better example of that literally and functionally historically than the book of Nehemiah. I mean, Nehemiah just over and over and over again mm-hmm. because – and every time he leads there's like some kind of crisis. And it's like they could, he could end up getting mm, killed. Yeah. And every time he's like, I'm not taking the easy route. You guys all want to take the easy route. We're not taking mm. the easy route. We're going to double down and do the harder thing, and we're going to win. And he leads people into that, and because he is selfless and he is just – and he has courage and he knows who he is at every moment and nobody can manipulate him. He does the right thing in all these key moments and is successful at any one of those. If he would have compromised his integrity, he could have been completely destroyed. And so I actually believe that Mm -hmm. a fundamentally theologically rich Christian understanding of how to become an individual human being. Who's really a person is also some of the things that will make you a good leader. There are other competencies as well, but there's no substitute for spiritual differentiation Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: yeah and you can't hack integrity that's something that's yeah. formed yeah. there aren't life
1: hacks for that yeah. there's no You're leadership hack
0: are. for that yeah
2: and you can't hire an assistant yeah. for it
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah luke did you want to add anything to that
2: no i i think that's really good like um leading with integrity is a lot of times doing the hard thing and um and and standing up for what you know the lord is asking you to do which is a lot of times not popular and we see all throughout scripture i mean maybe nehemiah is one of the big ones but um, leadership means making unpopular decisions (laughs) and people might not like that and uh, that can be really hard but um, if you're doing what god is asking you to do then you're gonna um, follow through with that and not just try to play to what people are gonna like the most um you're gonna do yeah, what God is asking you to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about from that first point of leadership is inherently corrupting?
1: I think one of the things Luke brought up that I think is important to recognize is that influence and popularity are forms of power. They're informal forms of power. And so if you go back to the Lord Acton quote about how power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, there's this mm-hmm. point where he says – um, that even when that people he says this is true meaning power he says power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely this is true even when they exercise influence and not authority and still more when you add on the tendency or the certainty of corruption by authority so what he says is like even if you're like if you're like an influencer on instagram or something like anytime where you have the ability yeah. to influence outcomes right influence is power And power in all of its form, whether it's authoritative power or whether it's influential power, is still is still power and power is intoxicating. And so the person who's like a quote pillar of the church and can get up and give an impassioned speech at a congregational meeting, or like somebody who can be a quote subversive leader or a revolutionary leader, they don't have functional authority in any position, but they have the ability to burn your life down because they have influence with other people or in some kind of way that can really hurt others, that functions morally as authority. It is a form of power and not only do you have to use it responsibly and morally but it also is it has a corrupting effect it's intoxicating and so that's one of the reasons why really pure reform movements that spring up can very quickly become corrupt even when they haven't gotten control of the seats of power yet because they've been granted influence the influence is a form of power which is intoxicating and therefore corrupting and so i think it's really important like if you're like a young person you're like well i don't have any authority i don't have power but you're like part of this like like this like group of people trying to bring about reform that people are listening to that influence is intoxicating and leads to corruption just as fast as authoritative Mm -hmm. power of position.
0: Yeah. Especially for women. um, I think because it can be sort of this easy stay at home mommy role. There's like influencers Mm -hmm. on Instagram are leaders of women, basically like that is. And so it's, it's a really fine line between that, influencing and authority. Um, I'm not sure what that's like more for men, but I've noticed that a lot with women and who we're following and listening to as authoritative voices.
1: I think tr- in traditional gender roles and stereotypes, women do function through influential power more than authoritative power of position. Yeah, and this, that is, makes this is no more true than in churches. Mm-hmm. where women are sometimes formally excluded from certain roles of authority. And yet they wield enormous amounts of authority through their own influential networks and so on. I mean, women have always, I mean, men are, it's like the old, my big factory wedding, you know, men are the head and the women are the neck and we turn the head wherever <laughs> we want. Like that, what that's a reference is the head is the seat of authority and the neck is the seat of influence. And influence will eat authority for mm-hmm. breakfast, right? And so you have to remember that whenever you're leading or whenever you're dealing with people, that that's the case. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Let's move to the second point of your sermon, which was sustained renewal requires integrity and in leadership. And at least in the first service, you didn't get to this point at all. So um, a little bit, could you unpack it a little bit for us?
1: Yeah. So so the transition of that point is basically, um, in the first point, I said basically leadership and power and those sorts of things are highly corrupting but you but the second point is god's people still need leaders with integrity mm-hmm. like you can't right. just be like well listen if leadership's corrupting we just should have a totally flat society no hierarchies no structure because anytime somebody has a position of power they're going to abuse it because power is corrupting right that doesn't work because human beings need leadership. I mean, most people cannot lead their own lives all that well, certainly not in every area of their life. Most people utilize leadership in some different areas of their life. So for some people, I'm their spiritual leader, but I don't don't have them lead everything. They listen to somebody else for politics. They listen to somebody else for good eating habits. They listen to somebody else. But in most cases, they're listening to someone or obeying some set of rules that are given to them by some form of leadership. Right. And leadership tends to be highly organizing for human beings. And the alternative, which is anarchy, tends to be even worse. In fact, all through the history of the world, human beings always choose order over chaos. They, it, Whenever like a government falls apart or a tribal group falls apart, you have anarchy and then some strongman steps up and says, I will protect you. And no matter how tyrannical that person is, people say, yes, we choose you. You beat back our enemies and keep us safe. We need order. We need like Mm -hmm. structure, right? And so the question is how can we get to the most benevolent kind of structure with the most integrity and leaders? And Christian faith argues like that will happen best when the perfect ruler, God, is in control, utterly in final redemption. But we're supposed to be approximating that as best we can in the voluntary, influential hierarchy of the local church and how it functions in leading and guiding and shepherding. And so the metaphor God uses for leadership is shepherding, which is a kind,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like caring uh, mechanism of leadership that is that is trying to nurture a, gr- a a group of of creatures that need leadership in the in the most loving, careful, providing, and provisional kind of way. Does that make sense? But even Jesus, even Jesus' most passive and, and, and softest metaphors for these kind of interactions are still leadership-focused. God's people need leaders. And when, when God gets incredibly upset at the shepherds of his people in Ezekiel 37, for example, he doesn't say, I'm going to wipe out all the shepherds and there will be no shepherds. He says, I will be my people's shepherd. And then he argues that he will provide
2: a shepherd when he brings his Messiah. right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, totally. And that's a pushback I hear to Christianity a lot is that um, that there is a hierarchy to it. Like there's a God we're supposed to serve and like lay our life down and people think they don't want that. But I always tell them, I'm like, we do long for a leader. We just long for a perfect leader who's going to lead us in, in love and truth and and um, justice and all that kind of thing. And so, like, deep down, yeah, we're, we're always striving toward order. Um, and biblically, when it comes to leaders, there's a lot that the Bible says leaders need to be. Like, the description like, what an elder should be is really intense because um, we should be striving to have leaders who have integrity, who are doing the things that they're telling the church to be doing, and that's that's really, really yeah. important. And so, um, yeah, the, the yeah. Bible does have a lot to say about this is how leaders should be behaving. And leaders are even kind of going to be maybe judged more harshly in some ways um, because they're just expected to yeah. lead out of their own personal godliness.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it's also important to remember that God puts very specific things in place for the reform of leaders so that they would be the thing they're supposed to be. So, for example, yeah. in the book of Deuteronomy, I think it is, every king of Israel was supposed to hand copy a copy of the entire law of God. And it says, and then he's supposed to keep it with him and he's supposed to read from it every day, right? And then God creates an entire office of ministry among his people called the office of the prophet. And the prophet's essential office is to go to these people of authority and reform them. Just be like, hey, what are you doing? You don't get to do that. And they're they're not to be touched by the kings. The kings are supposed to allow these people to exist and come in and rebuke them in front of everybody. And they should, they, because the voice of God has to speak in and reform, even the place of the administration of the highest levels of authority. And anybody who understands authority properly, um, believes uh, Calvin Coolidge said it this way. I don't even know if he was a Christian, but he said, he once said one person with the truth on their side is a majority. Right. And, And what he meant was that like, if the prophet comes into the King's office, what he says is the truth. And what the King is doing is a lie. The King has all the authority, but the prophet should have all the power because he speaks the truth. And so leadership, Mm -hmm. Christian leadership is always ordered that way, that whoever's holding the authority, the person with the power is a majority because it's him and God voting for that. right? And so I've found that to be really important um, in Christian leadership to have that. You have to constantly be reminding Mm -hmm. yourself that. And you have to be reading from the book of God every day. uh, So you never think you're above Mm -hmm. what he's told his people to do.
0: Yeah, and if you're listening and wondering how do I know if someone's a good leader to follow because we do need to follow leaders, Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to that shepherding example um, that's given in the in the Bible. Um, That picture of the point is to nurture. The point of the leader, the shepherd, is to nurture and strengthen the flock, and not to build a platform for themselves. Um, And so I think I think there's ways to identify that that are very distinct from um, worldly leadership that we see in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, in, in
1: the book of Deuteronomy, that section I talked about specifically talks about the leader indulging himself, mm-hmm. like building a big army, taking many wives and amassing silver and gold for himself. Those indulgent actions of leaders are also like big warning signs that you might not be following the right person.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so you talked about some applications in your outline for this. So one is supporting good leaders and then also not being complicit in corruption. Could you talk a little bit about what those look like?
1: This is in point two.
0: Yes. Um, yeah.
1: So supporting good leaders just focuses on, I, I think what I put in the presentation was um, supporting reasonably good leaders <laughs> right that like yeah. it's very easy to get <That's nitpicky> really and being <SSSSSS> yeah. like you know this person didn't like i'll be supportive when this person does good things but i'm not going to be supportive when
2: they do right like well that's not it's, really how you, do you hear about a lot about that in the church. Yeah. People yeah. leave because they don't like one thing a pastor said and you're like, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or pastors leave because even though they were doing a lot of good things, the things that they weren't super good at or some mistakes that they made, just got nitpicked and nitpicked and nitpicked and nitpicked. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the decisions that you, you do have to make is like, is this leader predominantly good or are they predominantly yeah. not good? Right. I mean, and that's the one of the decisions you have to make. And if they're predominantly good, like if you, if you like, there's everybody's going to have problems and issues and a certain level of corruption. The question is, what's the dose and what's the immune system? Like, like how corrupt and are they working against corruption? Not is there anything wrong with this person? Because you are going to find faults in your leaders, especially the closer you get to them, right? So we should be supportive of those leaders. Mm-hmm. Where I say don't be complicit in corruption is when you see stuff that is really corruption, right? You can't keep your mouth shut. And just pretend it's fine, like if it's corruption, especially if yep. it's the progressing kind, which is most kinds. Um, corruption really thrives when people are willing to lie, and you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's that role of the mm-hmm. prophet, right. right? The king, if, the, the king. If there's no prophet to bring to reign in the the king, the king does whatever he wants. And so mm-hmm. um, you may be called on to play that role, and sometimes it's really painful. Sometimes you get attacked for doing so. I mean, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. Yeah. So you've got to be ready for that. But also be careful not to have a martyr complex because some people want to play the role of prophet. They want to think they're the reformer when they're really being naive and And they're completely wrong in what they're accusing people of that, especially when people are younger, they often think this problem is much simpler than it really is. And so they think the answer is so obvious and they can't believe why people aren't doing it. And so it becomes a moral issue in their mind. And then they start attacking the other adults who have more experience and that can be really, really awful. And they think they're being Mm -hmm. a prophet and they're not, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. So, yeah, I have heard of now a number of church splits where a younger pastor turns ha- like half the church against the older like senior pastor because they started to think the senior pastor was terrible for whatever reason, got really caught up in their own head about it. I've heard like the same narrative now a couple times, and so yeah, it's tricky because yeah. on the one hand, people were in like the age of cancel culture, where if a leader does anything, you know, like some people will turn away from him, but then other people will go along with someone like no matter what, like, and they're unwilling to like speak up if there is corruption, and so yeah, it's like finding. Yeah. That I don't know. I don't want to say finding the balance. I guess, but like figuring out how to um, go with people, have grace, and people be charitable toward your leaders, but then also expect them to be walking what they're talking, like what they're preaching, they're actually doing, um, and holding them to that standard is also good. Um, but yeah, this, that's that's complicated how all that works together.
1: Yeah, I, I call this in the sermon conditional devotion, which is sure, the idea yeah. where, where you're saying to a leader, "I'm with you with all my heart, and I'll follow you anywhere." But if you try to lead me in corruption, um, you're going to make me your enemy. Like Mm -hmm. like if if you just don't try to lead me someplace, I can't go because I will not destroy my integrity for you. I'm following you in large part because of your integrity. And leaders need to understand. I mean, what every leader should desire is that everybody who's following them is doing it because of their integrity first and then their skill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that they know if they ever break their integrity and trying to lead these people, these people are going to scatter. Because they're there for the integrity. I've tried to do this over the last 10 years where like every time I take a big leadership step, I always try to do it with, as like a movement of integrity. Like I, I want to do the right thing. That's all I care about here. I think this is the right thing. I think we should do it. So that the people who gather around me aren't gathering around me because of my preaching success or because we have money or because we do this or because we have attendance. But because they're like, I like that Nick wants to do the right thing. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've tried to maximize in the church. So when I, it's time to do good things, people aren't ripping my face off for doing good things. They're like, yeah, of course we want you to do the right thing. That's why we're here.
2: You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. As a follower, I think that requires a lot of personal integrity as well. Back to the first point mm-hmm. where we have spiritual leadership over our own souls <laughs> and yeah. t- to not just depend on the integrity of your leader, but to have integrity so that you have discernment to know when is the moment to, um, to question authority and to go to them and ask, is this right? Um, yeah. but then also to not be naive and, uh, think that that person is always going to be perfect. Who is your leader? Um, and I know Nick, you've, Following your leadership as the pastor has been really helpful for me at this church, um, because mm-hmm. you do apologize and op- and openly admit when you haven't done something right, and I think that's that's helpful. Then for me as a follower, I have to say, yeah, he's not perfect, but he's right. has integrity. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's really important personally as followers to make sure that we're leading ourselves in that way to have the strength to handle yeah. um, these kinds of things.
1: Yeah, but I do think it's important to recognize that for a lot of people listening to this, they're gonna lead in places where they can't engage in a selection process mm-hmm. rooted in integrity. Like a lot of times when you're yeah. in business, you don't even you're not even involved in most of the hiring, right? And you can't always yeah. make sure that everybody you're leading is selected on the basis of integrity. And you if you, you can't self-select that way. You you can even in business do what you can to make sure that the people who are on your team have integrity, but there's only so much control you have. Mm-hmm. And people like running for public office or leading segments of society as like nonprofit leaders or so on. Um, it's just it's just not possible to engage in that kind of level of selection. And so in those cases, the level of integrity that leader has to have is has to be just incredible because they're gonna do the right thing and mm-hmm. people are going to yeah. attack them for it.
0: So the final point um, is that God will provide a zealous shepherd for us um, and Nick I I was in the first service and you didn't really go into who the the zealous shepherd is that he provides um, in as much. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that um, and what that biblically means?
1: So the way uh, the second half of Ezekiel lays out, especially like 30, 36, 39, and fo- 37 and following, is that God pr- says he's going to provide this shepherd. And he, he's, fo- he's focusing on this new age in which he's going to bring about his Messiah, who will be this great new shepherd, right? And so then Jesus comes along and John, he says he's the good shepherd and all that kind of stuff, right? But part of the issue, I quoted from John two, where it's quoted relative to Jesus clearing the temple. It says that um, he says that he, it says that when Jesus did all that, like tipped over tables and drove out cows and all that kind of stuff. It says his disciples remembered that it was written, "In zeal for my his my zeal for your house will consume me." Right, and that idea that like zeal or passion, like a jealousy uh, in the good sense that people would treat God's truths, God's house, God's way, God's kingdom, the way they should, like in terms of devotion is at the very absolute heart of what the shepherd believes in and nothing else can be the rival to it. Even if the world consumes them and and revolt against it. And so Jesus is the perfect example of that to the point of being crucified and torn apart and, um, and killed so as to be totally consumed with a passion for God's house and what God is doing in redemption. Right. But what what follows from that, though, is the idea that like we are supposed to follow Jesus in that, that we can be we can have a zeal or a a passion or a jealousy for God's like God's house. And in doing that, if that's what we really care about, we can lose everything else, which is extremely important for every leader, Mm -hmm. because if you can't lose your place as a leader, you cannot maintain your integrity. Because you'll spend your integrity just trying to stay in power, and in doing so, you'll you'll lose yourself. Right? Um, there's there's this video on YouTube that discusses like why power has to be pursued cynically because you're always because basically in any group of people there are influencers, and those influencers want what they want, and they're the people who can like keep you in power or throw you out and find somebody else. Right. And they, what what they want is they want what the mass of people you're supposed to be leading gives like tax money and so on. Right. They want to be enriched by it. And so you have to play this game between like giving them what they want and engaging in that kind of corruption in order to keep the power in order to lead what you want to lead to all that kind of stuff. Right. I don't think that's a Christian idea of how this works. I think it works in like, you have to have integrity to bring integrity into a system or group of people. And you have to be unshakable and unflappable. And to do that, you have to be able to lose your position as well as keep it. There's this great um, Mm -hmm. quote from uh, St. John Chrysostom where he talks about like soldiers and he's like, listen, um, a good soldier fights willingly and dies bravely and is also glad to be released from the military. And he realizes that there's benefits to one, and different benefits to another. And unless you can be deposed from your position, you're not worthy of it, right? In fact, in, what Christusm argues all through on the priesthood is he's like, I don't want you to be a bishop. Like he's giving all these arguments about why he does not want to be a bishop because he's not up for it. Um, but what he's what he's saying partly is is like you can't be a good Christian leader unless you almost don't want to be one because when it comes right down to it, you have to be ready to quit and say, look, I'm not doing that. I will not compromise. And if like, if you're going to get rid of me, if I don't do this, then get rid of me. Right. And I think that's really important for Mm -hmm. pastors. I think it's why, I think it's why you have to be careful with your money. It's why Alexi and I save the money that we do. Cause at any time at high point, I have to be ready to be like, I I'm sorry, I can't do that. And if that's what I have to do to stay here, I won't Mm -hmm. stay, you know? So, But I think that that's incredible. It's incredibly important. Yeah. Dynamic.
0: When you were talking, Nick, I was, I've been thinking a lot about, um, as again, I'm the female in this podcast, so I will provide an (laughs) example for the women. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about that because I'm getting ready to have another child. And I've out of your sermon, Nick, I was thinking about how, um, capacity for leadership changes and looks different and fruit looks different in a lot of, Mm -hmm in various seasons, especially I think for women, because, um, if you're a mom, like you're going to have a kid and then you're going to not, and you're going to, your capacity is going to grow to be more outwardly focused and mm-hmm. then it's going to get internal again. Um, and so I appreciated the challenge of who are you leading right in front of you in this yeah. season right now? Like it could be your kids. It could be yourself. It will be yourself no matter what, but, um, it could be like, You might just be an older sibling and that is great. You're a leader in some way, but to not be so caught up in the leadership position or um, office in any particular season, because you have to be able to leave it and be a leader somewhere else in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a really poignant point for me. Yeah,
1: and even with like an older sibling and in informal things, like we said before, influence is a form of power, just the same as authority. And so an older sibling might not have any authority as a parent, Mm -hmm. but they have a lot Mm -hmm. of influence Mm -hmm. in how they behave and how they affect younger siblings and their friends and so on. Right. I think so. Yeah. I want to talk about just the dynamic of being consumed with a zeal for God's house, so to speak, right? Or yeah. to, or consumed mm-hmm. with a desire to what it says in other scriptures to seek the face of God, right? Where okay. God is a person, and knowing who He really is, and knowing who you really are in Him is the absolute center of your desire. It does two super important things for for leadership. The first thing is is that um, it causes you to become like God because you're, you're seeking him and you're studying him and your zeal's for his house and what it's about. Yeah. Right. When Jesus was a young boy and he answered all these questions mm-hmm. that the rabbis had, he was like, he said to his parents when they came looking for him, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Like this, this is what I was, I'm thinking about. This is what I yeah. care about. This is what I right. am learning about. This is what I teach about. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it'll help you grow wise. It'll help you grow strong in character by being devoted to a perfect king, you learn what that king is like mm-hmm. and you begin to want to be like that yourself. But the second thing is that it makes you free.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It gives you the freedom of heart, right? That mm-hmm. Chris is talking about so that you can be put in a position of higher authority or influence, mm-hmm. or you can, that can be taken away from you and you don't really care. Cause all you mm-hmm. care about is that God is right. pleased. You're consumed with zeal for his house to seek right. his face. And in some case, and, and like, I think for a lot of people who have that kind of integrity, they're, where they will be throughout their lives will sometimes change really dramatically. You know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this idea of leadership is lent out to us by God, right? It's something that can have such a, it can stroke our ego so much to enter leadership, but just to always remember, like for anyone who is a leader, like that it, God is still the leader and he is using you right now, but he could easily raise someone else up and, or ask you to move on or you it could change and, and that kind of mentality of like, look, this isn't about me building my kingdom. Like this is something I wrestled through as like a young pastor, just the temptation to build my following for people to think I'm so great, but I have to stop and go, no, I'm, I'm building Jesus kingdom and I'm just a servant like anyone else. And I'm trying to lead people toward Jesus. I'm not trying to lead people toward me. I'm trying to lead people toward Jesus. I'm not trying to make disciples of me. I'm trying to make disciples of Christ. And, um, it's, it's hard to have the humility, but if you don't have it, I think this is where things get corrupted really quickly. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nick, you had some um, considerations for processing through this. Um, the first one you have is, are you trying to have integrity of life without real integrity of heart? Could you talk about that distinction?
1: Yeah. One of the things I say in the sermon is that pure zeal, that consumes you for God and his seeking his face is really the only spiritual energy that can reform you, your heart faster than sin can corrupt it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, like if you try to say, well, I want to be a person of integrity. I just want to have good character, but you don't have a heart that is consumed with a pure zeal for God. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen because that, that purity of heart is what reforms your character faster than sin corrupts it. So the, the, the main way to pursue a deep and real integrity of life is to start with what scripture calls a pure heart. right? And, the, bless, mm-hmm. the, and Jesus said, blessed are the pure heart for they will see God. Like when you seek God's face with a pure heart, God reveals himself to you and that dramatically affects your character and then your life. right? And so you have to approach it that way. Mm-hmm. There's no shortcut. As, as you said before, there are no life hacks for human mm-hmm. development and spiritual development and right. godliness.
0: Yeah. Integrity. Often we think of character when we think of that word, but one of the, the um, definitions of it is undivided. And I right. think that speaks to that purity of heart that you're talking about. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so th- those other considerations are related to that. Like, is something else more important to you than your integrity before mm-hmm. God? Right. If, if anything is more mm-hmm. important than your integrity before God, that thing is your God. Right. Um, So the the third consideration was if you fear anything strong enough to shut you up in the face of corruption, how is that thing not an idol, right? Because speaking against corruption and saying this is wrong, right, is pleasing to God. And if you're too afraid of what will happen to you, if you do that, then whatever you think is going to happen to you, whatever you're afraid you're going to lose, whatever affirmation you're not going to get, whatever disapproval is going to be heaped upon you. That is your God. And sometimes that's good to know. It doesn't mean like you're, you're disgusting or God hates you. All, what it means is, is that you, God is not your first God. You have another religion and it is your love for that other thing. Right. If you're like a teenager and you're just afraid to tell the truth because you don't want to be canceled. You don't want to be attacked. You don't want to be cyber bullied by all these like wokey friends that have been brainwashed by your school or something like that. Right. I, that's perfectly mm-hmm. reasonable. Like I totally understand that. I have a ton of sympathy for Christian kids that just want to not say anything that's part of the Christian faith that doesn't go. Obviously, there's tons of Christian faith that goes along with wokiness, like women being treated equally and gay people being treated mm-hmm. really well. and like that's all totally compatible with Christianity, right? And we, affirmed by Christianity. Mm-hmm. But there's some stuff that is not affirmed by Christian faith and by Jesus. And there's a lot of younger people just don't want to get
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the wrong end of that spear. But like, okay, mm-hmm. I understand that. But just be honest with yourself. The approval of the woke mob is your God, not Jesus the Christ. He's your second God, right? And someday, hopefully someday soon, maybe God will give you the courage and you will seek God in such a way as that you can make Jesus your first God and not that other thing. And that's really hard. Who but, is a but much God better will, God
2: than that other thing. Right? He is
1: a much better God. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Right, <laughs> like who cares what the woke mob thinks about you it is it is really hard right now and and right now morality is as long as you stand for these positions you're good it isn't how much integrity you have or how you're growing as a person it's it's just yeah if you're on the right side of these things we decided were important like 20 minutes ago then you're good and it, it makes it very confusing trying to grow up and figure this out but really it is just are you walking with God and, and yeah, is Jesus on the throne of your heart over anything? And and when you do find idols, that's when you go, okay, this is a chance for me to grow and be sanctified and offer this back up to Jesus and um, you know, process through like what am I really after here? And you'll you'll always find that an idol in your heart is not worth putting above Jesus. It's it's always yeah. it's it's never worth having an idol in your heart.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to add to that, Luke, right now it's difficult in our culture too because people publicize everything about themselves too and integrity and um, pursuing purity of heart are all, I mean, they're internal and hidden things that people right. won't see and c- probably yeah. can't approve <laughs> in you unless they're in your life and you have a relationship with them and they see you right. growing. Um, yeah. And so and that's be really misunderstood mm-hmm. and it
1: feels like you're being antisocial to people. Cause if yeah. they're, if they're, there's corruption operating in their lives, then They'll literally say, "Where's your empathy?" Because you're not going along with them in a certain kind of corruption. Like I've, my my daughters, like they get they have gotten these things over social media. Like, why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you posting on this? Why aren't you condemning these people with me? Like you're supposed to. And it, like, where's your empathy? Like, where's your like love? And like they're like, um, I'm an individual person. I don't even think what you're doing is right. Like, but but like you'll be attacked. You'll be told you're integrity is a kind of corruption. And if you're like, if you're mm-hmm. not ready for that kind of like reversal of reality. If you don't know yourself well enough to know what's what it's very, very, very destabilizing, you know, but if you fight through it, you become a real person. Like you become indi- an individual, you know who you are, you know who your God is, you know who you serve, you know how you're free, you know what you're afraid of and what you're not afraid of. Like it's, it's a very powerful mm-hmm. set of experiences.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um, look, right. I want to well, I want to reprise uh, a point just really quickly uh, that yes. I made relative to Lord of the Rings, relative to power. I've been reading Tolkien's letters as my bedtime reading, and there's this there's this way that he deals with this con- this concept of power and its corrupting authority, but also its weight. And I think it's very helpful as we look at other people who bear a lot of authority and um, and power. That like the ring was incredibly corrupting, and it was right if you weren't the ring bearer to be watching the ring bearer very closely for its corrupting effects and whether the ring was taking the ring bearer. Right. And at Thank the same you. time, what you also recognized was that the ring was heavy. It was so heavy and it was mm. a constantly exhausting the ring bearer. Right. And I think that that's a really good way to look at people in your life that have a lot of authority and how you should relate to them on one level. They bear the ring of power and it's incredibly corrupting in almost a magical kind of way. And so you need to look at them with incredible suspicion, you know, like in your mind, knowing that like they could turn the way of the language of darkness at any moment, right? And at the same time, you don't want them to. You want them to succeed and to bear it well and to ultimately um, carry it to where it needs to go and fulfill their duty. And you're going to have to carry them at certain points. And they like, it's it's incredibly heavy and they can't give you the ring and you wouldn't be any better if they did. It would, it would be a weight on you and it might destroy you all the faster, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that the wise, like Gandalf and Aragorn and Frodo in that book, had those things in tension. They were watching over the corruption, but they were helping with the carrying of the weight. And I think if most Christians understood that mm-hmm. deep down, that leaders were human beings prone to corruption, but carrying a heavy weight, they would treat them differently. They would love them better. They would support them profoundly and and in so much good would happen if we treated our leaders the way we should. Yeah. What we tend to do is treat them in the reverse. Yeah. We're not nearly suspicious enough. And right. we, we treat them like, like being yeah. a leader is totally a privilege. It gives you energy and resources and takes nothing from you. Um, and yet, Leadership has what I like to call the Obama effect. Like President Obama, his first term in office, he didn't have like hardly any gray hair when he handed <laughs> office. And by the time he ran in the midterms for his second term, mm-hmm. he is like the whole sides of both of his head and all the way around were all gray because of the weight of the mm-hmm. presidency, right? And the weight of the authority that he bore. So I think it's important for us to understand that. And I think if we do, we'll have just a, a much improved understanding of what it means to support leaders and to and to be under their, their authority and influence.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah.
0: That's a good word. Did you have? Did you have more, Luke?
2: I was just going to say, sort of off that, just quickly, that I I I do see a lot of people my age shying away from stepping into leadership, and maybe it is because it just. They know the Obama effect. They know that it's really hard. A verse that's just been helpful for me because I I felt this too. Considering being a pastor is like, gosh, do I want to do that? <laughs> that seems really difficult. Um, just First Timothy three one. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task, um, mm-hmm. and I think that verse is in there because there's a certain lot of a certain amount of hesitancy um, with entering into leadership positions because we know this effect, but it is. Um, it is a good thing to pursue and, and go into. And I want to see more people stepping into leadership positions, not less um, knowing that it is going to be hard and you do have to have integrity in it. But um, yeah, just to add on to what Nick was saying, but I think what Nick was saying is saying is really good that for the leaders in our lives to be aware that, that's what they're bearing the whole time. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing how much the one ring of power has been used in sermon illustrations throughout time. I'm like, man, this is just the illustration that keeps on giving. But I was like, yeah. this is good though. <laughs> when I read
1: yeah. Tolkien's letters, this is lit. That was literally what he was trying to say with right. the whole fantasy concept of the ring of power. And I, right. I think um, yeah. oh, so let, let's end with I want to plug the living room. The living room is another podcast mm-hmm. we put out at Side Point Church. Mm-hmm. It is focused on stories and people telling their stories related to the stuff that we're studying. So right right now we are doing this thing called undivided on unity talking about how we can have sustained unity and sustained renewal in this series. And um, so this season of the the living room is focused on unity, which includes things like like a focus on repentance and um, and uh, apology and forgiveness. forgiveness and those mm-hmm. kinds of things right um, and the uh, podcast is rooted yeah. in people telling their stories about how they walked through those things so um, you may want to listen to this there may be other people in your life that they don't they don't like this like heavy content format but they like hearing people's stories and they like hearing Christian doctrine laid out in people's stories point those people to the living room get them listening to that because it's a lot of the same content as this just delivered in a very different way and uh, I think it I think in a very helpful way so I uh, just wanted to plug the living room which is just another podcast that we do Yes,
0: great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nick and Luke. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of Engage and Equip. If you liked this episode, rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform and share this episode with a friend. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss, you can send it to podcast at highpointchurch.org. Otherwise, we will see you in the next episode.